Hey everyone, welcome back to the Chess Podcast. We are back for another academic year. It's the beginning of September, everyone's gone back to school. Sadly, the sun is now shining, which is very, very obsessive for everyone. I'm here today with uh, my fellow reporter who has just joined TED, which is very exciting, Jasmine Norden. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Matilda. Nice to have you on today. We are going to be talking about the main headlines impacting schools this week, as ever, and also some of the other things that are happening that affect all schools up and down the country. So just to start off, we all know that the big the big headlines of the week have been all about RAAC, or RAC, um, as some people are calling it, the crumbly concrete in schools, as it's also known. And Jasmine, you've been our kind of resident RAC reporter for the last week is quite unusual for you know a story let alone a, a school sector story to remain kind of top of the national headlines for it's been about a week now hasn't it so this is quite a big news story so I guess first of all resident expert can you tell me a little bit more about just give me a bit of background about you know what RAC is and why why it's now a problem because we've known about it for a while right Yes, we have. Yeah. So there's been a lot going on, as you just introduced there. So this has kind of been brewing for quite a long time. RAC was material and it stands for a reinforced autoclave rated concrete. It's quite cheap, quite lightweight. You started using it in the 1950s through to about 1980, where it was used in the building of many, many schools, often particularly in like planks to support flat roofs. You can read a whole timeline of it in a piece our fellow reporter Dan Worth did on the TES site. That's gone into a lot of schools. And then in 1999, there is a report that comes out that schools should be in, um, should be inspecting these. Though at the time, they don't think it's going to jeopardize structural integrity of buildings if they've deteriorated. And then fast forward all the way to 2018 and the roof at a primary school in Kent collapses because of rack failing. And they start to look into this and mm. raise awareness of the issue. And then the Standing Committee on Structural Safety urges assessment of rack planks as they're already past their expected service life by 2019. And that service life has been estimated to be about 30 to 40 years. So if it was installed from about 1950 to 1980, it's all past where it should be. Yeah, so this concrete needs to come out basically of of schools or mitigations put in place, right, to stop it from collapsing. Yes. Initially, there was assessment of it and... It was classified as critical or non-critical and Mm -hmm. the DfE started issuing questionnaires in 2022 to responsible bodies to ask them to basically have a look around and report whether they suspected they had rack. And so they returned those, some of them anyway, but it was then over the summer this year that there were three instances the DfE has said, Gillian Keegan herself has said, where... uh, rack areas that had previously not been classed as critical then collapsed thankfully no one was injured but that made them start thinking okay this is different to what we thought and they changed the guidance so which has led us to where we are now sure it explains why things have suddenly kind of kicked up um all of a sudden over this especially as like you've laid out you know we've known about rack for a while so with, with these questionnaires the Department for Education's been a little bit, I guess, uh, disappointed, maybe perhaps if they've kind of expressed some disappointment with schools over some of them not returning the surveys. Would that, would that be correct in saying? I think that would be correct to say. So Gillian Keegan said earlier this week that 95% 
of responsible bodies had returned the questionnaires. So, but obviously that means they're still waiting on 5%. And we know from speaking to school leaders that there's been a lot of kind of confusion about that. Some of them hadn't sent them back because they weren't sure about how to conduct it properly, Mm. things like that. But what has been particularly dominant this week is that schools and responsible bodies have been quite upset about some of the language um, Gillian Keegan has used about them not returning questionnaires. Yes, there's definitely been, you know, a lot of strong language use, I think, from the education secretary of the last week. I think it would be fair to say that it's been a bit of a mess in terms of communications, I think. Let's listen to what Gillian Keegan had to say on, on, on Monday. We will get a plan and every single one of them will be done. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a good job because everyone else has sat on their and done nothing? No, no, no signs of that, no? Yeah, so that was what she said at the end of an ITV News interview on Monday. Obviously, that got quite a lot of criticism. Kind of doubled down on Tuesday on Jeremy Vine and said, obviously apologised for those comments, but said... She would like responsible bodies to get off their backsides and yeah. return the questionnaires. Then we had a scoop, which you can read on Tez, which was a letter was sent out to schools who their DfE had supposedly identified as not having returned the questionnaire, giving them a deadline of September 8th to return that. When was this letter sent? Was that a four-day deadline then? It was a four-day deadline, that's right. Gosh. Yeah, that's not long. So what, what happened next? Surely there was some sort of panic. You know, could everyone fill these in? Were there still barriers in place for them doing so? Like, what, what was going on? Yeah, so there was a lot of panic. Those went out. But the main thing we were hearing, and this is, again, something we reported on yesterday, is that a lot of Matt CEO's school leaders were telling us that they believed they'd re- received the questionnaires in error. They were saying, we've already filled these in and were complaining about the communication that was going on over those questionnaires. We had one chief executive, Johnny Utley, tell us that they'd received an email to their trust saying they'd not returned questionnaires for the schools, and he's told us that wasn't true. So has the DFE just lost some then, supposedly? We're not sure. I think that's an ongoing thing that they're trying to work out. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. So that's where we are now. So obviously, this is an ongoing problem. It's still dominating the headlines. We've obviously got this this deadline coming up tomorrow for outstanding schools to, to return their surveys. We did have the DfE publish the full list of confirmed RAC schools on Wednesday, didn't we? They'd initially told us that it was 156 schools with confirmed yeah. RAC earlier last week. Um, but the, the, the named list has 147 with confirmed rack. Sure. Um, our investigation of data found out that nine of those schools were rejected from the school rebuilding program last year. And labor analysis showed that 19 were axed from the building safety fund in 2010. Why? What's, what, what happened there? So was that a case of just kind of not enough funding for that project or were they deemed not kind of needing those repairs? Uh, yeah, so we don't know exactly. I did speak to one head of a trust mm-hmm. in Yorkshire who was one of the ones affected by that and said, yeah, they were not deemed as needing it at the time. And obviously they've wow. since discovered a rack. 
And yeah. now they've had to actually delay the start of term by a week while they work out all of these mitigations. Yeah. And I know that you're obviously, you know, trying to get to the bottom of a lot of outstanding questions that leaders still have, schools still have, uh, the country still has about, you know, what's going on. For example, you mentioned delays the start of term. Do we know how, how long these delays are going to, to go on for? We don't. Yeah, I think hopefully we know that there was 52 schools where mitigations were already put in place that had okay. RAC, um, but we don't have an estimate of how long mitigations are going to take elsewhere. What does that involve, putting mitigations in place? Is that putting up beams or is that removing the concrete? So it's more of a temporary measure, the mitigations, to make it safe while they wait for full repairs, things like, yeah, propping up walls, beams, things like that. Wow. Okay, sure. What else is going on behind all this? Because I know that obviously, you know, school buildings is, is not a new story. People have been concerned about the state of school buildings for a while now. So what else is emerging from this in your conversations with leaders on the ground? Yeah, so this is something we've been getting into more in the last few days, and I'm sure is going to be even a bigger story going forward, is that leaders and uh, Matt's telling us that RAC is a big issue, but there are many, many more schools facing other issues with their school buildings, things like asbestos, things like cladding, things like ventilation, a lot of these things going on. For sure, for sure. Are they, are they, so they're kind of concerned then that, that these things are going to kind of fall by the wayside a little bit, is that right? Yeah, we're hearing from some leaders, they're worried that their issues will get lost a little bit in all of the headlines and that they're already worried that they don't have enough money to fix these things. And we don't know exactly where the money is going to come from to repair RAC so far. And there are worries that that could impact all the budgets for fixing things like asbestos. For sure. And I think also it's it's worth bearing in mind as well where we are in terms of timescale. You know, we've got a general election coming up and it's obviously not looking good for the Conservative Party generally, but this just seems to be you know, and, and another thing that, you know, the opposition, the Labour Party um, have used as an opportunity to kind of, you know, say that, that more money needs needs to be spent on, on the school estate. And we obviously had the MQs on Wednesday, um, the first one back after recess. And, you know, let, let's have a let's have a listen to to what Keir Starmer had to say. The truth is, this crisis is the inevitable result of 13 years of cutting corners, botched jobs, sticking plaster politics. It's the sort of thing you expect from cowboy builders, saying that everyone else is wrong, everyone else is to blame, protesting they've done an effing good job, even as the ceiling falls in. The difference, Mr Speaker, is that in this case, the cowboys are running the country. We've also had some people who used to work in the Department for Education making claims about um, attempts to, you know, fix more more buildings in the past being turned down. Is, is that right? Yes. So this was um, Jonathan Slater, former permanent secretary of the DfE, said that obviously this was flagged. They knew at the DfE, um, obviously before. So when was it that he's saying that it was flagged? So they've known about this, obviously, since 2018, when that school in Kent had the ceiling fall down. Sure. And yeah. Been moving and having conversations on that since then. And he told Radio 4, I think it was on Monday, that 
they, when he was there at the FE, they'd estimated that about 300 or 100 school buildings needed to be replaced a year. But what he said is that they'd asked for, I believe it was about half that and received 100 a year. But then he claimed that the prime minister now, but Rishi Sunak was chancellor at the time, mm. he claimed that he slashed the school rebuilding program in half to 50 when he did the 2021 spending review. So obviously that's a lot less schools than what with the FE thought needed to be rebuilt at the time by his claims. And the prime minister has defended himself against that. He said mm. that on the school rebuilding program, it's 500 schools they'll be rebuilding in the next decade. But Labour also tried to force a vote to find out what advice the Prime Minister was given before his spending review, but it was opposed okay. by ministers, so documents sure. on that won't be released. Interesting. Well, I'm sure we'd all, all like to see those those documents, I'm sure, um, you know, be of great, of great interest to everyone to kind of see what was going on there at the time. But yeah, let's, let's look forward now. So, you know... We've obviously discussed, you know, some of the other issues um, that uh, school leaders are facing with their buildings. Is there anything else that you're you're looking into or that you've managed to find out uh, about the entire situation? Well, I think what we're looking forward to now is kind of we've still got lots of outstanding questions on RAC. The a lot of union heads, six I believe, have written to the education secretary today to ask for clarification on some of the numbers of like schools with suspected yeah. RAC or schools that haven't had surveys yet and how long it's going to take. So we're going to be looking forward to seeing whether we get answers to things like that. But yeah, what we'll be looking at is how long schools actually have to wait for these mitigations to be put in place and the repairs, where that money is going to come from. Yeah, that's another um, big question, isn't it? Yeah. We have, obviously, we've had the list published now and we've got how many special schools are on there. Guidance for special schools will be uh, an issue as well because, obviously, it's much more difficult for them to make alternative arrangements that will suit their students when it's already such a difficult situation. So we'll yeah. be looking at that as well. Sure, sure. Well, all of the stories that we've we've spoken about today and all the stories that we've hinted at as well, you can find on our, our, our website. So if you go to Tez Magazine, they'll be there in, in the news section and Jasmine will have you covered with all the latest uh, rack news as well. Now, obviously, Jasmine, this is the big news at the moment. This is, this is what everyone's talking about, but it's also important to note that schools have, have uh, returned uh, this week and it's the start of a new term and there are plenty of other things going on in schools and about schools. So, for example, we've got a story up on the site about school leaders criticising the delay to the publication of information on how they access some extra cash, the Teacher Pay Award. I'm sure you all remember that um, in, in, over summer, um, we had the DfE announce the Teacher Pay Award of the 6.5% from this year, so from September this month, and they announced more money for those hardship funds that schools could access if they were struggling to make those higher pay awards. But we still don't have uh, details of that criteria, so that's something that, that we've been looking at. So also, you know, go, go check out those stories on the site. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on um, beyond beyond RAC and behind the scenes, but obviously, you know, RAC is is the big, the big, big story of, of this week, and I'm sure, Jasmine, that we'll be catching up next week to kind of see where it's all at and, and what's what's going on. I'm sure there'll be more news stories, hopefully clarifying for leaders, right, about what's going to be happening and 
where that funding is going to come from and how long schools are going to have to wait. We do hope so, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Sure. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the TED podcast. We'll be back next week where we'll be discussing the biggest news stories of the week and stay tuned for more. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Matilda. Bye.